Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Barca Talk. Already La Liga champions FC Barcelona lost an inconsequential match against Celta Vigo, while the Champions League campaign continued with a 3-0 win over Liverpool in the first leg of the semifinal at the Camp Nou. Liverpool fans have started a petition to ban Lionel Messi for punching one of their players, and FCB Femini lost in the final match day of Liga Iberdrola, taking second place in the league to Atletico Madrid, but they still have the women's Champions League final to play. First news. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp confirmed that Roberto Firmino has already been ruled out of the squad for Tuesday's Champions League match with Barcelona. The Brazilian sustained a muscle injury in training last week and was absent from the Newcastle match in the Premier League at the weekend. In that same match, Mohamed Salah was stretchered off the field after a collision with Newcastle goalkeeper Martin Dubrovka. Salah is in doubt for Tuesday's match, but nothing is yet confirmed. Ex-Barcelona midfielder Xavi Hernandez has officially announced his retirement from football as a player at the end of this current season with Qatari club Al-Sad SC. Xavi made the announcement in a statement sent to the media in which he promoted the Generation Amazing project, part of the Qatar 2022 World Cup preparations, with the stated aim of the Qatar World Cup to have a social and human legacy. Perhaps most exciting for Barcelona fans, however, was the part of the statement in which Xavi said, This is my last season as a player, but I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for me as a coach. It seems more a question of when, and not if, Xavi will hold the manager's office at FC Barcelona. When Philippe Coutinho came off for Nelson Semedo in the 60th minute of the Champions League semifinal match last Wednesday, the fans in the Camp Nou whistled him off, and that wasn't the first time the fans have shown their displeasure with the Brazilian. But the captain, Leo Messi, had a message for those fans. In the celebration of his first goal of the match, poached after Luis Suarez's effort came off the crossbar in the 75th minute, Messi gave a wag of the finger to the fans for their whistles. After the match, he said, It's ugly that they whistle a teammate like this. We are all in this together. We have to be united to the end because we are close to our objective now. In that same match, Messi put the scoreline at 3-0 with a thriller of a free kick. Messi placed the ball in the top corner from 35 yards out, a standout free kick in a season of great free kicks from the Argentinian. Fabinho gave up the free kick and earned a yellow card in the play, in which Messi also struck Fabinho in his head. Messi's action was ignored by the referee Bjorn Kuypers, but not by Liverpool fans, who started a petition after the match on Change.org calling for a retrospective ban of Messi in the second leg for punching Fabinho. As of this report, the petition has gathered over 13,000 signatures, but neither UEFA nor Liverpool FC have taken any action on the matter. 
Not to be outdone, though, Barcelona fans have started their own petition calling for a ban on Liverpool forward Sadio Mane for slapping Arturo Vidal. All right, this is Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York, and joining me, as always, from Madrid is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How you doing, buddy? Man, I am full of energy. I know. <laughs> so much energy. I've been The last few days have been have been absolutely lovely for me because Thursday, Megan and I went to see Captain Marvel because she hadn't seen it yet, and then Friday night, we went and saw Endgame, and I am all about that Avengers life. So that was really fun. And then yesterday, Saturday, I did zero. I did nothing. <laughs> I think I did laundry. That was probably the most intense work that I did yesterday. So I just laid back and I'm feeling it. I'm feeling yeah. energized again after the long slog of this year, you know, comprehensive exams, finishing the dissertation, all that sort of stuff. Now I have to get on top of writing that Barcelona book that I signed a contract to write. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just took the last couple of days to sort of decompress a little bit. So I'm I'm feeling really good. How's it going out there in Madrid? Good, man. Um, we had our long Puente holiday weekend. It was the Labor Day on Wednesday, and then it was the Dos de Mayo, which is the basically kind of like the start of the Spanish Revolution here in Madrid. So it was very quiet here in Madrid, but it was really great weather. So after we're recording, I'm actually going to meet some friends in our local plaza to have some drinks. I was trying to make you jealous with the pictures of the plaza. You did succeeded. I, did I accomplish it? <laughs> yes. You, you absolutely made me jealous by sending me pictures of that plaza. <laughs> it looks beautiful. We don't have anything like that here in, uh, certainly not in Buffalo. And it's frankly hard to find in the States because we have this, we have parks. Yeah. yeah. So you'll have like big open spaces, but they're parks and they aren't necessarily surrounded by, bars and restaurants the way that the plazas in in madrid are yeah not just also, madrid but you know europe in spain yeah <laughs> and the other thing too is you know is the beauty of the plazas is there's always a restaurant there's always a restaurant where you can just either get coffee uh wine beer whatever and just hang out you know so that's what i'm gonna be doing after the recording session yeah we we discussed this you have spring fever my friend I do. I don't know if you can tell I'm a little bit more tan now. The sun just, you know, attracts my face. So it's like amazing right now. It's like, <laughs> I'm really excited because it's the best time of the year because it's just, you know, you've seen my apartment. It's cozy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you can only have maybe two or three people comfortably. And and when you go outside to these plazas, it's kind of like your family room, your living room where you just hang out and just and plus since it's walking distance, it's fairly close as well. Yeah, a lot of small private spaces out there but a lot of big public spaces correct which is great it's it's a whole different kind of lifestyle where you live your life outdoors yeah in front of people particularly when the weather is so nice like this yeah yeah Yeah. so and it's just you know especially with this with this weekend and i was able to catch up with some friends that i was able to see as well i mean it's just been a really nice kind of relaxing weekend yeah and it's so much good news on our end you know we've we've already won the league we're three goals to the better in the Champions League semifinal. Everything is going well. We're already in the Copa del Rey final. The uh, I, I've, we're not trying to jinx anything. We're, I'm just pointing out the facts, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but we're all we're all feeling good as Barcelona fans. The weather is getting better. Spring is here. It's it's all it's all very very positive. However, now this yes. is something that we didn't mention in the news section but this is what we want to discuss today it has not been so great for a couple of players and uh, you wanted to talk about this because for you it's raising some questions about or concerns that you've had for some time about concussion protocols in would you say 
European football or just Spanish yeah, football? European football. European All European football. Fo- yeah, like the Premier League is part of this as well. Yeah. So yeah. what what happened that made you want to talk about this? Well, I just think this is, you know, with more evidence, more science, more technology, we learn more about the brain. You know, obviously in the NFL, they have done some sort of an effort to change the protocols of the concussion because they know how in the future when you get so much head trauma, what happens? So they're trying to avoid it. They're trying to, you know, if you do get a concussion, you can't play in the game the next day and so forth. So there's these protocols that are happening, right? They they take the player to the tent and they do a bunch of tests and so forth. And then they try to um, diagnose to see if the player did get concussed or not, you know, through a bunch of tests. But here in world soccer, Brian, as we were talking earlier a little bit, it's just, it's a misconception that a concussion is viewed as a weak injury. Mm, like you know, not a big deal. Been, yeah. And I remember this as a child too, you know, cause a lot of times when you go up for a header, you're going to knock heads. Sure. Right. This, if that happens, but there's a difference between knocking heads and just getting a bruise and knocking heads and getting concussed. Right. Right. There's, there's definitely a big difference. There are levels. There's levels, definitely <laughs> levels. Right. And anytime there's a head injury now, when I see, especially I'm going to point out two instances just in the last week where it was completely obvious on TV that, the player was concussed and the protocols for it did not happen, you know, and, you know, you're talking about long-term health of these players, but also just what's going on in the match, you know, it's just, it's crazy how quickly they just send the player back in. Right. So I don't know if, did you, did you watch the Ajax Tottenham game? I did not. Okay. So there was a moment at Vertonghen, he's a player for Tottenham, went up for a header and he got, he, he got cracked. I mean, he basically almost broke his nose. He was bleeding all over the place. It was a very severe head injury. Okay. And basically they took him out on the sideline. The d- medical staff basically assessed him. But I mean, Brian, I'm talking in real time. It must have been two minutes when they <laughs> assessed his concussion protocols. Lajos... This is what's crazy. You know, our favorite ref. Yeah. He was actually the voice of reason Whoa. in this eye. Yeah, because he kept saying, is he okay? Is he okay? And he asked him like 10 times. But this is where the FIFA and UEFA and everything, they have to they have to establish a protocol where the player has to be out for at least 10 minutes. Because to go through the test, it's not just, you know, what is your name? You know? Right. It's, it's a little <laughs> bit more intense than that. So basically, the medical staff cleared, you know, and I'm using air quotes, they cleared him. Comes back into the match for about a minute, two minutes. Immediately, like, looks to the sideline, asks for the sub. Couldn't even make it to the sideline. Starts vomiting and was needed help to keep, you know, he had to be carried off the field, essentially. Yeah. Uh So, you know, that's an extreme case of a concussion, obviously, right? I mean, in that moment. But the idea that he was able to go back into the game. Imagine if he played 10 more minutes. Yeah. And you've got another head injury. I mean, that that's long-term health right there, that you can get dementia, these type of uh, illnesses from that, you know? And so it's crazy. They just So FIFA and UEFA need to come up with some sort of strict protocol and in, implement it for player safety. Yeah, and I think over here, you know, in the NFL, they happen just so much more frequently. And over the last few years, they've gotten just so much bad press, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, rightly so, for, <laughs> for not having yeah. good protocols in place for head injuries and concussions and now they're they're trying to do what they can so they're of course doing a lot more than than world football is and i think the the issue with world football is that to them they think ah, it they're not that uh frequent they're not as frequent as in american football and so they've been able to do exactly what the nfl was doing which is just ignore it and yeah. treat it like some you know macho issue of 
you know, being, are you strong or are you manly and yeah. these sorts of things, or just not, uh, not respecting the seriousness of such injuries. So we, I agree with you that we need to see some change, even though they are less frequent, they can't be treated any less uh, significantly. Sure. And then the, this brings up to the Mo Salah, what happened yesterday against Newcastle. He basically got kneed in the head by the goalkeeper and he went down like a ton of bricks. I mean, you just see him and it's, you know, it's clearly obviously got concussed. Obviously the Liverpool medical staff were, were able to assess because he was actually knocked out um, to kind of see that he was concussed and they carried him off on the stretcher and they did that protocols. But the idea to even think that he will be available for the Barca game in this such quick turnaround. I mean, usually when I, when I study concussions, like, just through just not, I'm not personally researching, but just reading and understanding. It's usually going to take you between three and four days to get even completely free because you're going to have headaches. You're sensitive to light and all these aspects, you know, and then you're expecting this player to perform at a high level. It's really asking a lot. So the question that a lot of Liverpool fans have been asking today on, on social media is like, is his season over? Because with these, concussions there's no you know like with a broken arm you could say okay your bone's going to heal you're going to be out three to weeks every person's different with concussions you know right. some people heal faster and some people take longer so again it just all depends on most i don't see him playing against barca unfortunately uh, i mean i would like to see him just because he's a great player and i want to see us play against the best um, but we will see what happens i mean it's going to be really a game time decision for him yeah, I, I last I heard, or this is something that I did mention in the news, which was that uh, according to Klopp, he's he's a doubt. So mm-hmm. it's it's just a big question mark right now. Which you know, right after the match, especially in a press conference, that's probably the wisest thing that Klopp could say. He's like, well, you know, it's doubtful. We don't know. We'll see, right? Because yeah. like you said, it's, he might recover quickly. He might not. How many times have you been concussed? Me, I think maybe two times. Mm. Two times that I can really kind of remember, but also, you know, when you head the ball from goal kicks and so forth, you get what's called like those micro kind of um, impact with like, I wouldn't say it's as similar to an offensive lineman. Like when they hit helmets all the time, you, they get these micro kind of impacts. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not as severe as that, but over a long time of a, a season or not season of career, you're going to have these little um, micro impacts on your head, you know, um, again, this concussion thing has the stigma of being a weak player. Just like you said, you know, if yeah. you have a concussion and you ask to be subbed, you're considered weak. And I remember that as a, you know, when I was younger playing, you know, there's, they always say, you know, put dirt on it. You'll be fine. Just walk it off, you know? Yeah. And I remember, I remember one time, you know, I saw stars, you know, and when you see stars, like that's definitely not good, Brian. No, definitely not good. <laughs> they're, they're not really there. So, yeah, that's, exactly. <laughs> so that's not helpful. It is not. I have a I have a thought about this because I think part of the reason that they get players back on the field so quickly after a head injury mm-hmm. in football is because you can't because you're limited in your number of substitutions. Yep, that's what I was going to say. And you can't uh freely exchange players the same way you can with American football. Sure. Right? So what would you think about a rule change where uh you're allowed essentially a free substitution if medical staff and they might have to involve maybe third party, you know, unbiased physios, uh, almost part of the referee staff in a way Uh to make that determination, but a free sub for, um, for a player who's been clearly concussed. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the things that's been, 
um, proposed, you know, you have a good point there. You know, that's one of the issues because you're only allowed three subs. One thing that they were talking about, you know, have this protocol, have the player come out the side and then you're allowed a sub while that player is being in that protocol. So I think that's a way to manage it better. And then if the player is concussed, you just leave that player in through the rest of the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and if they're fine, then they can just come back out. Come back out. Yeah. I think that's good. And but there maybe has to be maybe a limit of twenty minutes or something like that. It can't just be five minutes, player comes in, player comes out. It has to be like a little bit longer because again, a concussion protocol does not just take one minute. You have to go through a lot of different types of tests. And it just made me think about, you know, do you know who Taylor Twelman is? He's a former US oh, yeah. national team player, you know. So if you just follow him with the concussion protocol, because he only had a couple concussions could not recover and he had to retire. So again, concussions just affect people differently. And again, it's, it has this stigma of being, you know, when you get it and if you get subbed off, you're considered soft and here in Europe, I mean, it happens all the time. You know, you just, you can hear in the commentator and it's a very serious thing. I mean, it's just as serious as an ACL, you know, your head is, you know, getting that kind of trauma. We see we've, they've linked concussions to long-term effects of health with dementia with muscular diseases and so forth so you know it's a very serious issue that fifa and the uefa need to uh, figure out some sort of protocol for the upcoming seasons yeah i i completely agree get your barca talk merchandise on our etsy store you know we launched the store sort of quietly some weeks back and in just the last week it's been blowing up a little bit and everyone is getting the same thing it's this t-shirt that I designed. You can get it in almost any color you can imagine, but black is the most popular. And in big, bold letters, it says, we have messy, you don't. A uh, catchphrase that Gabriel coined right here on this show. Check it out and all our other designs in the Barca Talk store at Etsy. You can find a link to that at barsatalk.net. FCB Femini lost on the last match day of Liga Iberdrola to Granadilla, finishing the league second to Atletico Madrid by six points. On the bright side, they are in the Women's Champions League final against Lyon. Here to bring you up to speed with the last couple weeks of Femini action is Michelle Taylor. With one foot in the Champions League final, courtesy of an away goal against Bayern Munich, Barca Femini returned from Germany to play a Liga game against Sevilla three days later. And what a crazy game it was. It felt like a surreal Twilight Zone episode in which things were happening that weren't normal. For a start, the game was played at 4pm on a Wednesday afternoon. It was also played in the mini study. I guess that was to give the players a bit more playing time on the minis pitch before the return Champions League match. Lika Martins had an early ball in the net in the 11th minute, followed by two goals by Aziz Adoshwala in the 30th and 34th. But two minutes later, Sevilla got one back, and three minutes after that, they had a second, when Mappy Leon scored an own goal, which sailed over Sandra Panios' head. Beautiful goal, Mappy. It was in the wrong net. Just before half-time, Stephanie van der Graaf scored her first Barca goal as she headed in from a corner kick, and that's where the first half ended, four goals to two. In the 63rd minute, Aziz Atashwala nearly had a hat-trick, but her shot rebounded off the crossbar for Aitana Bomati to head the ball into the net. In the 83rd minute came a goal that you could only describe as being made in La Masia. Claudia Pino worked in from the right-hand sideline. She passed the ball to Barbara, who quickly passed it back to Claudia, who continued running in towards the goal. With the outside of her foot, Claudia sent a defence-splitting pass across for Candela to score. I think I've watched that play about 50 times already. It's beautiful. And there ended a crazy game with the scoreline of six goals to two, seven of which we had scored. And just like that, we were back to thinking about the return Champions League game. 
For the first time ever, the club sold tickets for a Barca Femini game. Granted that it was only three euros per person, and Sosis could still access the game for free, but it worked, and tickets were sold out four days before the match. And what a great sight at the Mini. Full stands, a Tifo mosaic, waving flags, and lots of Peña support. It was enough to bring tears to my eyes. U.S. Cortez fielded the same starting lineup as he had in Germany, and the game kicked off as expected, with Bayern Munich pressing hard for the goals. They came very close on a couple of occasions. The best effort hit the left post, but somehow Barca managed to absorb the pressure. It wasn't our best game. We'd played better in Munich, but the crowd's support and the singing went a long way to boosting the team. The first half looked as if it was to remain goalless as the two minutes of overtime were played out, but suddenly Lika Martins was in the box and being brought down by a Munich player. Penalty to Barca. Mariona stepped up and made no mistake. We were ahead by two goals on aggregate. The second half was tense. Barca was under even more pressure as Bayern Munich stepped up another desperate gear. Then came disaster. In the 70th minute, Haira Hamraoui was carted off the pitch after receiving her second yellow card. She cut a desolate figure as she left the pitch in tears and disappeared down the steps into the dressing room. Now Barca had to hang on for 20 regulation minutes with only 10 players. Sandra Panos had the save of her career as she launched herself to the left and managed to get her hands on a high incoming ball, forcing it onto the post where it bounced back onto the pitch. By this time Sandra was on the ground and she played the ball out with her foot so that Laila Wahabe could kick it out of danger. What a heart-stopping moment that was. The full-time whistle sounded and the stadium erupted. Players gathered in the middle of the pitch, laughing, hugging, crying. Barca Femini had made history, the first Spanish women's team to make it to a Champions League final, and a year ahead of predictions. A five-year plan created in 2015 for the team had envisioned reaching the final in 2020. What happened next in the stadium are memories that will last with me forever. The team made its way over to the fans behind the North Goal. The Peñas led the singing of Un Dia del Partit, and you could see how much it meant to the players. They sang along, jumped up and down, applauded the fans and walked around the whole pitch thanking those who had attended. What a sight. Finally, this team, Barca Femini, had the support it deserved. A full mini-estadi with Peñas in support. The newspapers covered the team's success very well, and the team featured as the main event on at least three newspapers' front pages the next day. Players were then given three days off and returned to work on Thursday. A few weeks earlier, goalkeeper Pam Tahona had dislocated her shoulder during training, and surgery was now required to repair the damage. She'll be in recovery until at least September. With the exception of Pam, the whole squad travelled to the Canary Islands for the last game of the season against UDG Tenerife. Winning the Liga was a long shot. It depended on Barca winning and Atleti losing to Real Sociedad. Alas, it wasn't to be, and we lost. We never do well on artificial surfaces, and our minds were obviously already in Budapest. For the fourth season in a row, Barca has failed to win the Liga. It's something that has to be fixed for next year. The margins are so slim now that Atleti is such a powerhouse. Every game counts. Barca finished the season with 25 wins, 3 draws and 2 losses. The loss to Welva was bad enough. To lose 2-3 at home was a disaster, and the loss to Tenerife was stupid, but the goalless draws to Levante, Valencia and Espanyol were unfathomable, especially the Valencia and Espanyol results. I hope that U.S. Cortez remains as the team manager. He certainly worked on the psychological aspects of the team's game, and it's paying off. Next season, the team has to bring that positivity and bravery from the very first week and maintain it throughout this entire season.
So now we wait for the 18th of May when, in Budapest, Barca will play Olympic Lyon in the Champions League final. It's going to be a tough game, especially as we will also be without Haida Hamraoui, but this team now has the confidence and experience to deal with the occasion. I have to give a big shout-out to Peña Blagrano Los Angeles. They're holding their first Barca Femini watch party for the Champions League final. Have fun and cheer loudly in LA. I expect to be able to hear you from New Zealand. For Barca Talk, I'm Michelle Taylor. Visca Barca y Fossa Barca Femini. And now for the Barca Talk Guard of Honor. This week we're honoring Olivier Nevin, who's been supporting the show on Patreon for five months now. Olivier, thanks for your continuing support. Please enjoy this pasillo. You know, thousands of you enjoy this podcast every week. We have some great things in the works right now, including our Barca jersey giveaway. At the end of May, all current supporters on Patreon will be entered in a drawing for a Barcelona jersey, either the current seasons or next seasons. And we've just simplified things on Patreon. We used to have three tiers of support with different levels of access to bonus episodes and different fan packages and merchandise and all that sort of stuff. But now it's just a $5 minimum per month to become a patron and have access to all the bonus material, special offers, anything. And if you want, you can give more than $5 per month. It's up to you. So consider becoming a patron. All right, so let's talk about La Liga. This was against Celta. La Liga match day 35 in the Estadio de Balaidos, and Celta won 2-0. And while the game was lost, it was uh, it was never intended or necessary for it to be won. Having already won La Liga with four games left in the season, Valverde had the opportunity to do nearly anything without consequences, and he, he took full advantage. You know, the greatest loss of this game was Dembele coming out in the fifth minute with what appeared to be another hamstring injury. But in choosing the lineup, with the Champions League continuing next Tuesday, Valverde put a team of secondary and B-team players on the field. Just like you said, he was able to mix and match, and no one was going to complain so much. I mean, I like the lineup that he chose. Um, I think the only thing I would have just kind of rearranged is just the positioning of Elena and Artur. Right, because uh, the way I'm, he had it set up, Artur was in the central sort of Busquetian role. Yeah, yeah. And I would just put Artur in the, on the left side where he normally is and just put Elena in the back. That's the only thing I would have done. But I did like the lineup, um, especially, you know, seeing Vermalen. You know, every time I see him play, I'm just like, oh, yeah, he's on the team. That's right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that guy. Yeah, that guy, that guy. Well, it's so hard to keep track of whether he's fit or not or whether yeah. he's on the squad or not. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because – you know, when I was watching him play, you can just see the difference between him and Alba in that, obviously, you know, obviously the talent is is huge, but Vermalen is a center back, right? He's just not used to going up the wing. A lot of times he would just stop, you know, he would just give the ball pass and then just stop and walk. You yeah. Know, I mean, just like, I think he went past the halfway line a handful of times, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what's this? What's this Ooh. new land over here? <laughs> no, I, I don't go up this far. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is not for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, uh, let's, you know, for me, the biggest talking point about this is Dembele because, you know, my love for Dembele. Sure. I love this guy, you know. And uh, our one of our Patreon supporters, Christo, shares this with you. Yeah. And, you know, I maybe he has to adapt to a new workout in, in the offseason, maybe because what's happening, I think, is 
you know, you have the hamstring injury. It was a major one. You yes. overcompensate, you injure the other leg, and then you overcompensate again. And I think that's what's happening. I think, he, you know, he's still young too, Brian. You know, he's 21. He's still kind of growing into his body still, you know. But I think somehow he just needs to incorporate a new workout regimen that he's doing, maybe that implies more stretching, uh, more flexibility on what he's doing because he is a valuable player. We've seen it all season long when he was dialed in with the, with Suarez and Messi, we were so potent. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you. He needs to, and I think I read one opinion article in uh, sport just this morning that was saying something similar, not just his workout, but he needs to maybe revisit his whole nutrition plan, his mm-hmm. exercise plan, everything uh, in order to really uh, recover from this. And I think it's going to, it's going to happen mostly in the summer. He needs to sure. really attack this in the summer uh, with, you know, really spending some time with, with the physios to make sure he has the best regimen for long-term longevity, not just short-term recovery, but how he can really, uh, you know, avoid these things in the future and be in better overall physical condition in the long term. But I think also, you know, in the heat of the season, they've had to get him back out on the pitch uh, as soon as he seemed fine. And of course, as we can see, he's not completely fine. Like he might be able to do 90 minutes or he might not. Uh, you just yeah. never know. But I think once uh, once the season's over and they have the whole summer to really, really focus in on on that issue, apart from any competitive matches, hopefully they will uh, take it seriously, you know, take the time and really come up with a, a good solid regimen for him. Uh, to recover long-term. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I mean, we've seen the evolution of him this season. We, we've seen him kind of grow up, you know, back in September, October, he was in Valverde's doghouse for playing too much Fortnite, you know? Right. And then he made it, you know, the players took him in, they, you know, advised him and he really made a turnaround. He started, I mean, we haven't heard him, you know, becoming late on practice. He's been doing that. He's been a professional lately. He's been, we've seen the performances he's done on the field. So we've seen kind of the evolution of Dembele in the season. And I just think that's the next step, just like you said, to find the proper nutrition, finding the new workout that's going to help him. I mean, every player goes through this uh, to find what works best for them, you know, with Dembele and his hamstrings. I mean, the hamstrings are like the most important muscle group for sprinting. And that is his talent. You know, he is super fast. Uh, we saw it against Liverpool with the the way he was able to cover distance in two seconds, you know, and unfortunately in this match, I mean, he, he did one kind of sprint on the sideline and was down. Yep. And you hate to see that because you don't know if it's overcompensation or guarding, uh, preventing injury. And, you know, muscle injuries are the hardest thing to come back from because if you do the exams, Brian, they look perfectly healthy. Right. But if you push yourself and all of a sudden something happens inside, you get that strain again. There it is again. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, something a little bit more uh, comprehensive, uh, kind of a a bigger long term or holistic plan. Uh, I mean, I don't of course, we don't know what they're what they're actually doing or not doing, but it just it does seem like, uh, yeah, they're just doing the standard tests and everything looks fine. But maybe something a little bit more holistic is what's necessary. Sure. I mean, there's so many different things that's going to go. He he'll, will find something because I'm sure he's frustrated with, you know, the limited games he was able to do. You know, for example, I always think of uh, Steph Curry, the basketball player. He had some severe ankle problems. He could not stay healthy. He had some really bad ankle. Like he was just uh, playing defense and his ankle would roll. He'd be out three months. Yeah. 
Okay. So he adjusted his whole workout. He started adapting more core uh, workouts and so forth. And he has been pretty much injury free of that ankle uh, going forward. So Dembele has to find kind of the same type of guru, you know, that's going to help him with those hamstrings and just help prevent those injuries going forward. Yeah. Yeah. So we need the opposite of a ham foot. We need, <laughs> we need a hamstring guru. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona, you know, they have the money. They could fly in a hamstring guru from the, you know, the far east, you know, or Germany. You know how like wisdom. all the, yeah, but you know how like all the the German uh, doctors are like the gurus. So it's like right next door. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's, it's not far. Flight. And plus, he, you know, he he played in Dortmund. He, yeah, yeah, exactly. He knows someone. He's he can hang. Someone. Yeah, yeah. So what, any other any other uh, things that stand out stood out for you in the lineup? Did you? Well, I know what about how much that you midfield, were, right? Yeah, I know. I, I was going to point that out. <laughs> I think that's the next thing to to touch on is is how uh, exciting the midfield uh, was for for a committed Kule, a really exciting midfield of Artur, Alenia, and Ricky Puch. Yeah, and you can just see, especially with Alenia, well, actually all three, just the way they were able just to possess, move the ball around, and you can see the you know the freedom they have because they know they're going to play in that match. And they have kind of, I don't know that there's a free flowing confidence to them that I had not seen maybe a couple games ago when they played together. Right. And you could kind of notice that um, it's, you know, man, it's exciting. I, for me, I am really excited to see Elena's progression. Yeah. Well, the, this particular midfield, everyone, each one of them had a a certain kind of uh, a certain kind of role or at least a, Mm -hmm. a, a certain, uh, talent that they were bringing into it, so it, it was it was very much like a like a you know like a super group Justice League kind of thing where you've got Arthur handling the possession, mm-hmm. running the center and doing a great job of that and distributing. Elena getting forward and making plays. Oh, but also Elena was in on goal a few times, mm-hmm. so he was a little bit more of the attacker midfielder. Whereas Pooch was more the playmaker, and he made some great through balls, some fantastic, you know, forward balls, and they all have these great possession skills. So they, so they each three, they have a similar skill set, but they were also kind of bringing particular talents to the game as well. And I thought they all looked great in this match. Yeah, especially with Celta needing this match so much to stay above relegation, so they were coming up with their best eleven, and they still lost the possession battle. Right. So to me, that you know, the, to me, looking at that stat is huge because you know, with this young midfield, we can see how they're developing. You know, this is the end of the season, especially with Ricky Puj's distribution with those through balls was really nice. Yeah. You know, it was just everything that you want to see, like you said, as a committed Kool Aid. You just want to see that passing, possession, taking a, uh, occasional chances up the middle. Obviously, for me, the Botang thing just sticks out. I wish I would, we had someone else young to be in there because I think would provide a little bit more. But the midfield, you know, especially if next season Valverde brings these players along even more, we could get maybe a couple more matches out of them earlier in the season and they could actually provide some points or goals for us. Yeah, and I mean, of course, the goals and really not just goals, but even decent shots, decent chances. That was the one thing that was really missing because we we, mm-hmm. we won the possession battle big time with 65%, you know, about what you, about what you expect from, mm-hmm. from Barcelona, you know, on a, on a normal day, but we just didn't have the, uh, we didn't have the finishers. We didn't have the, the killer 
finishing players on the field, which is uh, fine. You know, Malcolm was out there and he was taking attempts. I think he had probably some of the most threatening looks at goal, but mm-hmm. uh, none of them were especially strong. And and Boateng was uh, just... <laughs> it's, it was a weird lineup in the sense that you had essentially really old guys and really young guys. There was yeah, very yeah, few yeah. people in the middle, right? Sillison. Yeah in goal was the was the only kind of like i'm mature but i'm not over the hill kind of yeah, player yeah <laughs> well Titi. i think the back line you know valverde still put in like a pretty safe back line you know umtiti to hold sure. things down and he he pretty much did that babysitting job and you know vermalen out and left back it was you know he just did the defensive work as you said he wasn't doing the alba thing that's not what vermalen does he was defending and that's fine too. Todibo looked really fun, really exciting. At times, looked more like an like a midfielder rather than a defender. But and unfortunately, he suffered injury as well. So that was the other big loss aside from the goals. But yeah, we just we just don't have that cutting edge in the attack to bring it back to what I initially said. Yeah, and and the thing for me is, you know, I would have, you know, with Boateng, I I'll be happy to see him leave because he has provided absolutely nothing. I just. We always thought it was a peculiar signing at the beginning when he did get signed. Yeah. You know, with this lineup, imagine if Malcolm was up the middle. Right, exactly. You know, it just changes the whole direction. And he's on the same page with Elenia, Puj, and Artur. You know, with those guys on the same page, you can just see, you know, they were they have confidence in Malcolm. Malcolm uses them as well. Malcolm is fast and he always looks to shoot on Goa. And again, I just, you know, I know they had to use uh Kolala when um Dembele got hurt, but I would have liked to see him start and then maybe not give Boateng the start because Boateng is Mr. Lead Boots, man. Can't do yeah. anything. Well, he's, you know, he's he's essentially enjoying his retirement at yeah, one of yeah. the, at one of the biggest clubs in the world, which is an odd situation for him to be in. Yeah, but he just looks like he doesn't care. No, he clearly yeah. doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I wouldn't you rather just give that to a youngster that's actually going to try and try to get some goals? I mean, I would. Yeah, so would I. And it's we've seen the previous games that Boateng has played. He has provided absolutely nothing. And so, you know, I don't like to see him taking opportunities from other players that are actually going to try and have a future with the club. Yeah. Yeah. Now about uh, the midfield and Artur, Mm -hmm. uh, yet again, he only played 62 minutes in this Mm -hmm. match. Vidal came in for him at 62 minutes. Uh, This is a pattern. And I think that it has something to do with Arthur's youth uh, something, but for some reason Valverde is uh, just not playing him ninety minutes, and I'm not sure if you have any insight as to why this is. I I'm certainly not clear on on why it is, but he but Valverde is doing this so regularly that he clearly has some kind of a reason for it. Yeah, I don't know if he's on a minutes restriction or something, but I think sixty minutes is you know it's too little. Like for example, this match, why couldn't he just play the whole match? You're kind of already just going with an experimental lineup. You don't need to save it. And then, you know, what if Vidal got hurt in this match? His, his, his boy, you know, yeah. puts, puts the Liverpool match in peril. And so, you know, I, I think Artur has a really great future in the club and I just understand how he can't break through that 62 minutes unless he's on our minutes restriction because of something that we don't know, you know, either but something 60- contractual or just something yeah. that the, uh, the, the medical staff have recommended or sure something. But I'm hoping that it's something that it's contractual rather than medical. Right. You know, 
because then to me, then it's like, okay, there's maybe going to be problems in the future with his legs or something. But again, it's really confounding because, you know, you want him to see him play the full 90 because he is such an important player. And as we're going to talk about in the Liverpool match, I think he was missing in that match because Brian, he does this move that is so subtle, but it's such like an amazing move to do. He does the, he goes, runs up with the ball and he'll just stop and then turn and just, it's almost like a, the pirouette, but not really. Mm. And the way he just shields the ball like that is so huge because a lot of players are just going to keep going straight. Right? right. And they may lose the ball. Right. But he, he always kind of recognizes how far he can go. And then he just pre-plants it and then brings it back and keeps possession, passes it back. It's a very subtle skill that's, you know, it may seem super easy when you're watching it, but when you play in the moment, when you're attacking, you kind of just want to keep going straight and you want to keep pushing the ball up. And sometimes you just have to take a breath and say, okay, this is a no win situation. <laughs> the percentages are very low to get anything out of this. So let's just pull it back and, and start again. Hold on to the ball. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's such a smooth skill that he does. Uh, and he does even he does it with such ease now that you just expect it all the time. And he when he's in the match, just think about every time he plays, we clearly win the possession battle. Oh yeah, and I think he's he's getting even stronger, continually yeah. stronger with the uh, playmaking aspects of it. Sure, looking for those opportunities for the through ball and making really good passes. So you just I think he needs more time to do that. Now, there's the issue of how many minutes he's playing and how he keeps getting pulled out right around 60 minutes. There's that in and of itself. But then in this particular match, there is the uh, the fact that he put in Vidal, that Vidal, sorry, that Valverde <laughs> put Vidal in for Arthur, which is his, his standard substitution. But again, like you mentioned, with a, a sort of experimental or uh, I wouldn't call it throwaway, but, you know, where you're really utilizing the bench lineup like this you know Vidal is the really the only choice from the players that he had on the bench I mean he could have been in Coutinho but that would have Mm -hmm. been even more suicidal I think sure so he puts Vidal in but then again was there anyone else on the squad who could have also been on the bench um maybe not yeah no I mean I think the whole thing too is when the Dembele injury came that we had to use that substitution so maybe Colada maybe comes in for Artur or something like this but you know, uh, like we pointed out, if there if there wasn't a minutes restriction, I just would love to see Arthur play it out, you know, because he just needs to get the fitness somehow. Again, you're right. I mean, there wasn't anyone else on the bench that's going to come in to sub him if he's on that minutes restriction. So yeah, so it had to be Vidal at that yeah. point. Yeah. But could we yeah. talk about Musa Wage? We can. Wow. I thought, <laughs> I mean, I thought he was brilliant. I mean, the thing is, Brian, he's... He, you can just tell some of the players when they don't look down at their feet. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? Like, especially young players, he just is always looking up. He's very comfortable with the ball, his feet. And you can see the connection with Ricky Puig and himself because they've played together just using that line, you know? And I pose the question, can we just move him to left back? I think we could. <laughs> I mean, is it too, is, I don't think it's too late. Yeah, I don't I mean he's so young that he could probably adapt and grow into that position and then we would have all kinds of speed coming down the left and have a good backup for Alba. I mean yeah. it would definitely take some uh adjustment for him. Sure. And it really it's I think it really comes down to the question as to whether or not he can handle that adjustment, which is that's an unknown factor. 
he certainly has the skill and the speed yeah. to be able yeah. to to make the adjustment but uh does he have the you know aptitude yeah yeah, yeah the ap- yeah. Is, is he up for that challenge is he ready to attack that and you know will that eventually come up against some kind of limitation he might have physically with with being on sure. that side of the field i mean i don't i don't know what like what is really the big difference between being a right back and a left back i'm not i'm not saying that dismissively i'm that's a genuine question what do you think i mean just first of all it depends on your dominant foot mm-hmm so usually, you know, they want to put left foot, left back, right foot, right back, usually. Yeah. But now in world football, it's not a big deal because players can use both feet strongly, you know, so that's not such a big deal. For me, if I'm left footed, I would rather play right back, actually. Huh. Because I can do more moves with my left, showing my left and going up the line. I think. And also if I need to pass in the middle, I'm going to be more accurate with my left. Yeah. So for me, that's how I would look at it. So like you said, it just depends. If, if I were him, I would bring up the question because if he did ask, I think that is the best way he's going to get onto the senior team faster. Yeah, for sure. You know, because with Samato at his age, you know, he's going to be at the club for a long time. Cause if you, pro- you know, project what he's going to be and how he's going to play, he's going to probably be the starter for the next five years. Hopefully if he keeps progressing as well as he is, you know? Uh, so for me, Wagyu can just go to left back and then just kind of take over Alba's spot because could you imagine the speed on that line? Oh yeah. Samedo and Wagyu on the left. Oh my God. That was just, I mean, more than anything, they'll be able to shut down anything on the attack from other teams on counters. Yeah. That would be killer. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting topic because obviously this year we've seen that we don't have a left back. Um, I don't know if they're bringing back the left back from Ibar. What's his name? Cucurella. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the rumor that they're going to bring him back. But at the same time, they don't know if they're going to sell him or keep him. But we definitely need a left back because Alba needs to get rest. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That much is for certain. I mean, we've been talking about uh, another center back, uh, Delict from Ajax, who, of course, is a huge talent and someone who you'd want to be looking at. But as far as our needs right now, we're in a pretty good position with center backs. We've said this before, but what we really need more than anything is a backup for Jordi Alba. Yeah, that's huge because in the beginning of the season, September, October, just give him those spells and we need someone that's not going to be a complete drop off. You know, can we get Lucas Digna back? You know, those are, these are the type of questions, you know, like we just need a solid left back. I would, you know, I would, I think it would be a smart thing to look at. And just ask him if he'd be open to trying left back because, I, like I said, I think that's going to be a faster track to the senior team for him. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I think he would really benefit from uh, proposing that for himself. But we still have three more games in La Liga to to see what Valverde can come up with. And who knows, maybe he'll even try Waga at left back in one of these games because, you know, why, why not? not? <laughs> yeah, what, you do Vermalen again? What's, yeah. Yeah, what's yeah. the worst that could happen? We'll lose. So what? We yeah. already won the league. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, love this, this is... time when you've already won the championship and now you can just do whatever. You can go full mad scientist on it. Correct. And consequence free. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I, I mean, especially, you know, with these young players, they're just getting more playing time with La Liga player, you know, against La Liga rival teams. And so you, you can project a little bit more. You say, OK, I can I can see Puj, I can see Elena. You know, I can see Wagyu, all these players. So I'm excited. Um, I mean, why not put Wagyu on left back? Try it out. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> 
Support the show through our Amazon Marketplace. You can check out our Amazon storefront with products that we have curated and selected for you. Uh, This week, because Mother's Day is next week, I've selected an item for the occasion. It is a box of 12 chocolate-covered cookies. This is uh, straight from the description on Amazon. Each is hand-dipped in premium dark chocolate covered with 12 sweet assorted toppings and carefully packaged to ensure safe arrival. You know, I wanted to pick a Mother's Day thing for this week, uh, mainly so that I don't forget to get my mother something. And, and, you know, if we're trying to, you know, pick something for, for everyone out there to maybe to maybe get, I think the only gift that really comes close to being universal is chocolate. Yeah. So that, that's my pick for the week. That's good. You know, actually here in Spain, it's Mother's Day today. So, oh. Yeah, yeah. So it gives me a good reminder because Mother's Day in the States is next week. So it's kind of good that way. So Wow. You're always, uh, you're always ahead of me. <laughs> Usually it's just six hours, but now it's a whole week. Yeah. But I, I like the idea because when I saw you pick the box, I was like, oh, that's a good idea because I'm going to pick something as well, something similar. So I picked an FC Barcelona women's jersey for the Barca mom in your family. Yes. Who maybe is lacking the paraphernalia, the FC Barcelona paraphernalia. So I picked a Nike one. It is the traditional, you know, Blaugrana one. So um, check it out. It's, it's a nice one. It has a little bit more of a, a V neck to it. And so, yeah, it's, it's a super sharp uh, Jersey. So that's what I picked. Um, yeah. It's know, actually cut I, I, for women. It's nice. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I, I definitely checked out your, your box of chocolate or your box of cookies. And I thought that was a good idea too. So, uh, you know, get them for your mom because mother's day is next weekend. Don't forget. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll be sure to do that through our own Amazon storefront. So it's like, I feel like I'm getting a discount on it because we'll get a couple <laughs> of pennies off of that sale. Yeah. It's yeah, like when I used to plan. work at the brewery, I would always drink, the uh, the beer that we made even when I went out to bars and I was paying for it but I always felt like I got a little bit of a discount because <laughs> my job paid me to make that so sure. if I'm consuming it then I'm also you know creating my own job for myself which is yeah exactly you're like the ambassador of it as well right you're, exactly you're <laughs> but yeah this women's jersey that you picked out yeah it's not it could be for your your Barca fan mom it could be for your Barca fan wife who doesn't currently <laughs> have a jersey so and you know who is a uh, Assuming she's also the uh, mother of your child. (laughs) Let's assume. I was going to say baby mama, but it's, it's, again, (laughs) it's like, I know it's one of those words that people use. It's just not really, it doesn't feel right coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Uh, That's just me. But anyway, so pick up those items if you're interested or otherwise uh, check out all the other stuff that we've put on our Amazon storefront. Go to barsatalk.net to check that out. So let's talk Champions League. Champions. This was great, man. First leg of the semifinal against Liverpool at the Camp Nou. We won the match 3-0, and this was easily the match of the week, perhaps the matchup of the whole tournament. Despite having less possession than Liverpool, shocker, 47.6%, and dealing with a very, very tough press from the Reds, Barca capitalized on their chances better and scored two goals in the run of play, with the third coming from that masterpiece of free-kick-taking from Messi. Yeah, this is, I mean, where, where do we start with this game? There's so much to dissect in this match. Again, uh, let me ask you first, how did you watch this match? Did you watch it alone? I watched it alone. You watched it alone. I've so decided I. that that is the best way for me to watch games. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was a nervous wreck before because 
I, you know, especially just amping up towards the match. So I decided to watch it at home alone. I'm glad I did because I just needed to focus on the match, you know, as, as those I was playing as well, you know, Ryan. So, right, right. You put yourself there on the field. You're the 12th exactly. man. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess we should start with the lineup. So were there any surprises in the lineup for you? Um, no, not no. for me. I think I was a little bit surprised that he started Vidal instead of Artur. Mm-hmm. Uh, in general, I, f- I know that Valverde has a, a soft spot for Vidal or a hard spot for Vidal <laughs> uh, rather than Artur. And I know that um, you know that it's going to be physical going up against yeah. Liverpool. You know the press is going to be hard and they're going to they're going to play a physical game. So, you know, if you're looking for something to to match that and to combat that, Vidal makes a lot of sense. So I think maybe I thought about it for a second, but it, it made perfect sense to put Vidal in. And there's always the the right back question, right? Sergio mm-hmm. Roberto versus Semedo, and I think depending upon which of those guys starts at right back, that also tells you sort of how Valverde is thinking about the match. Uh, all other things being equal, you know, fitness, minutes, that sort of thing. So he started Sergio Roberto at right back. I was a little bit surprised by that. I thought that he would have started Semedo, but it it all it also made sense. I mean, this lineup with the Sergio Roberto and Vidal thing is kind of the yin and the yang of why Valverde is so confusing sometimes, because if you're going to go physical, you know, because it's Liverpool, then go Vidal Semedo. If you're going to go technical ability or possession, then you go Sergio Roberto Artur. Right. You know, and here it's like, we're going to go Vidal and Sergio Roberto. Yeah. Like trying to squeeze out both, you know? <laughs> um, again, I, for me, Vidal was the biggest surprise just because, I knew they were going to press. I've watched Liverpool many times. I know how fast they play and their front three, how they work together as a team and so forth. I just thought that our possession was going to be extremely important in this match. And we're going to talk about it. We did. We lost the possession battle, which hasn't happened in a long time at the camp now. But I think we were we missed out on an opportunity where this game could have been a little bit easier with Artur being in the match, just holding onto the ball and not giving those unforced errors that Coutinho and Suarez did oftentimes and Rakitic as well. Yeah. Even Rakitic, which was surprising because that's out of character for him. It is. It is. So, I mean, should we just talk about Dios or what? I mean, yeah, I think let's, that's, let's just it. open I mean, it up with Dios. You know, we, we talked, you know, you love symmetry. So this was <laughs> the anniversary of his, of his first goal with Barcelona. And I mean, do you remember his first goal with Barcelona? I wasn't really following the club at the time. Mm. So I, I wasn't uh, – I've, I've seen footage of it, but you know, sure, I, sure. I wasn't following the club at the time. So I, I, it doesn't stick in my memory that, that same way. I mean it's such a great goal because it's a partnership with Ronaldinho. Yeah. Ronaldinho gives him a chip pass and then Messi chips the goal, but then it's called offside. Mm. And literally five minutes later, they run the same play <laughs> on poor Albacete. <laughs> And Messi scores a chip goal, and that was his first goal, and it's a golazo, right? Because, you know, Messi was barely pushing five foot two at that time, and he was able to chip a keeper, you know, outside the box. And Brian, I've told you this, we've talked about this. For me, this free kick, the six hundredth goal is is gotta be maybe top four Messi goals for me now because of the free kick, the distance, the moment, the opponent, the goalie, everyone in the world watching, and he delivered. He, he he put a bow on it. 
Is yeah. <laughs> he he yeah. delivered with flair. With, yeah. with with a little something extra. I mean, uh, one report I read said that, that it looked like it was 35 yards out, which is a, a, a pretty good distance. Of course. And just to even get it on target from that kind of distance, to get it over the wall and to get it on target from that distance, that's one thing. And you would, you know, nine times out of 10, maybe even more, 9.8 times out of 10, the goalkeeper is going to get it because – the flight of the ball just takes long enough that he sure. can that he can catch the flight and he can he can save it but the placement was so perfect was just so spot on that he sneaks it into the top corner opposite the goalkeeper's side and he can and and you just couldn't even get to it Allison couldn't touch it i mean when i used to do free kicks my specialty was more accuracy and trying to get over the wall as opposed to pace mm-hmm. Because once you try to go for pace, your accuracy just goes out the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you're so focused on the pace. But this thing had everything. You know, it had the pace. I mean, it's been, like you talked about, from 35 yards just to get there for Allison not to react fast enough to see it is crazy. I posted the video of the Spanish commentator, Carlos Martinez, who's amazing on the commentators here um, when he does the partidazo or the Champions League matches. He even said beforehand, I don't think Messi's really going to go for it. It's a bit far. Yeah. And, the, you know, and then he does it. I mean, Brian, I was just I this is kind of one of the moments where I wish I was with some people. But at the same time, I was just speechless. I mean, I just couldn't believe what I saw. And it's just another moment again where you're just how did he do this? Yeah, I, <laughs> he's, the, he's a magician. <laughs> he is. I mean, I, man, I, I've watched, I think, since Wednesday, I've seen so many reaction videos on YouTube. I love them so much of just how people, I sent you the two guys in Australia. Yeah. And I think that's the best one because that's how I felt. It was just, your eyes just can't connect the two things of what you just saw because of the distance, the accuracy. Everyone that's played knows how freaking difficult it is to hit that free kick like that. And especially against Allison, who is a premier goalkeeper. Yeah. And, you know, Messi has, we've talked about this before, Messi has really, in the last uh, two years, really stepped up his free kick taking uh, his conversion rate on free kicks, scoring on free kicks, but he rarely gets an opportunity like this with this particular set of challenges, you know, particularly with the distance. He doesn't normally have this much distance to deal with, but I, I, I get the sense that he's been practicing things (laughs) from greater distance because he didn't have a second thought about it. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it was just like the, the way the ball comes across the crossbar. I mean, it's perfect. Everything about it is perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was his 600th goal for FCB. Yeah, and that's that's the beauty of it, you know? His eighth free kick goal, it's just remarkable how he has evolved into the best free kick taker we've ever seen. And it's just crazy how that just happened in the last three years where he's just kind of evolved, just like being a better captain. He's become an amazing free kick taker. Now, when it's almost like a free throw opportunity in the NBA where – these are just kind of free chances where he can get at goal and make the best of them. Those are eight goals, you know, and it's a big difference, especially when you're competing for the golden boot, for example. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the, the takeaway there is we have messy. You don't get your t-shirt at, Talk, <laughs> at the Barstock.net Etsy store. <laughs> really quick. I just want to tell you about the Madrid point of view here of the media. Two things. They basically, um, just like you said in the news where the Liverpool fans signed a petition, they were always just talking about the foul that happened where Messi elbowed 
Fabinho, right? They've been harping on that. And as well, they just don't think that the performance of Barcelona overall in the match, it, they believe it tainted the result. And to me, it doesn't matter. You know, Messi had these moments. Liverpool did play better than us, but overall we were able to take those conversions. So again, Madrid media are just jealous, you know, as they, right. as they should be because they're not playing for anything, but I just can't stand how they, you know, you're watching greatness on such a level. It doesn't matter if it's Barca, if he was playing for Milan or whatever, you just have to recognize the greatness of what he's doing weekend and week out which is just craziness for and, 14 years and yeah and year in year out yeah and that's the thing i mean how many players have come through and had one season of greatness and then never heard of yeah like balotelli for example like balotelli at one point was like you know an elite striker for one year and now he's playing in some random team in italy you know we've had players come and go and like for example salah right he came last year he was a finalist of all these awards. He had a great season last year. And we, we saw this year he hasn't been as consistent, but he's still been really good. But you can just see the level of what Messi's doing with goal scoring, assists, free kicks, minutes, and everything. It's just insane at what he does every week. Yeah, yeah. And again, for just over a long span as well. Not yeah. just a couple good years. Yeah. Yeah, not, exactly. not even a few good years. Not even a few. Over, over a 10. decade. Yeah, exactly. Of great seasons. Yeah. I mean, then that's the other thing is, you know, I was watching ESPN FC and, you know, Sid Lowe was on it and he, they brought up the question, has he normalized greatness? And the answer is yes. <laughs> well, I mean, for he himself has. he has. Yeah. Yeah. And also just from the outside audience, because you just, if you go on YouTube and just look at his highlights, it's just crazy, you know? And if you put any other player with the same type of career of 10 years, a lot of them are going to be duplicate highlights, you know? Right. Because <laughs> it's just different whatever, angles. Right? and Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but you could again, just have one angle of all of Messi's greatest plays and the the reel would still last a very, very long time. Yeah. I mean, this was, as we were talking in the preview of this match, was ultimately going to be the difference maker. Because if you look on paper, Liverpool is a great team and we're a great team. But the X factor in all this is Messi. And when he wants to play, when he's in Trufalo, mm-hmm. we, we are unstoppable. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, uh, Liverpool did... Uh, basically outplay us, um, yeah. but we capitalized on our opportunities better than they did, and so we got the three goals and they got none. But let's talk a little bit about how Liverpool were were outplaying us, per- starting with their press. Yeah, they were just after it. You know, uh, we have played some teams that have pressed us, but their ability to hold the ball wasn't as good as ours. You know, and so I think that lack of confidence that we had, especially with Ter Stegen, for example, giving the ball away so often as he did. You know, usually if he does that, we're going to win the ball back pretty quickly. Uh, His pass, you know, pass rate was really low for this game. It was 64% pass success rate out of 33. And, you know, he a bunch of times he kicked the ball out of bounds because he was pressed. He had no outlet, you know. And as soon as Liverpool got the ball back, they didn't relent. And that was the biggest issue because we were playing, we were more, you know, we had to cover our defense. We were going side to side. We were winded. We didn't have the ball. When we did get the ball, we didn't know who to pass to. I mean, how many times did like Rakitic get the ball, turn around, and then lose it right away? He had no Coutinho options. Get the ball. He had no options, right? Because we were so focused on trying to keep our shell on defense. As soon as we got the ball, we were just out of shape, out of sorts. And you know, if you compare Ter Stegen's passing to Allison, you know, Ter Stegen had sixty-four percent success rate 
as compared to Allison with 97. And they had close to amount of totals, you know. We didn't press as much, as as aggressive as they were. But, man, they were all over us. We could not outlet at all. And that's what we needed, our tour, Semedo, or Dembele. We needed speed and possession. Right. Well, as it turned out, another thing going back to the lineup real quick, I guess there was sort of a... A little question, you know, as to why start Coutinho rather than Dembele. But I think that uh, now after Dembele having gone out of the Celta match so quickly, I think that might be explained now. Maybe Valverde sure. had an idea ahead of this match that he understood that 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 Dembele couldn't necessarily be his legs, I should say, you know, sure. couldn't necessarily be counted on. So maybe he knew that. So that explains why Dembele wasn't there. But yeah, we, th- this leads right into the whole possession thing. Because of that press, we just weren't maintaining possession. And for the first time in a long time, we lost the possession uh, battle in the game. I mean, let me ask you this. If our tour plays, do we have 5 to 10% more possession? I would think so. Yeah, exactly. And so those are, especially in the second half where they were bombarding us for those first 20 minutes, just imagine the presence of our tour just shielding the player, not letting go of the ball, just holding it, just letting us breathe a little bit, you know, two less opportunities for Liverpool, then all of a sudden we're in a better standing. Because though Vidal, you know, Vidal had a good game and he was, you know, he was important on defensive pressures, especially the last 10 minutes. But to me, his lack of ability to possess and to string passes together hurt us, you know, for the majority of the game. I mean, you, you pointed out that he made a great pass here for the first goal. That's great, but I would rather, if anything, use him for the last 10 minutes where he can be really tenacious if you want, if you need to use Vidal, because he's going to give you that tenacious defense and tackling ability. Right. And another positive thing about having someone like Artur maintaining more possession is it it puts everyone else just that little bit more uh, at ease with possession. Because I think part of it was that, you know, just dealing with that press, uh, they were getting a little bit nervy. But if you have at least one one more player who can who can possess the ball a little bit more and take some of the steam out of that press, then you'll feel if you're a teammate of that person, you know, like let's say you're Rakitic and you're playing with Arthur rather than Vidal, you might feel a little bit better. And then you're going to improve your possession game as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the biggest thing, if he was there, we would have had more breathing opportunities because, you know, like we talked about him in the Celta match, the way he's able to stop and pause and always continue the ball, even though there's a player on his back. I think that's a really important skill because he doesn't always have to pass to a quick player to maintain possession. He can just keep the ball himself. And so that ability, you know, especially when they were pressing, just think about if we had five or 7% more possession, then all of a sudden we take the sting out of Liverpool and all of a sudden we maybe have more opportunities. We're not so winded. Because like I told you, Brian, playing possession style football is so much easier physically than chasing always. Right, right. And yeah, that was the other thing that I was going to say is that with more possession, not only do you have the ball more where your opponent doesn't, which is in itself a good thing, but also you're if you can maintain that possession in that way and you can handle that press by just holding on to the ball yourself, now you can dictate the tempo and the pace of the game. Definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, you got to give Liverpool credit. They found stuff. They found holes in our in our passing. You know, they really pressed us on the outlets. They pressed Ter Stegen when he had the ball. And the other thing, too, that helped as well was Coutinho and Suarez just giving up poor passing when they had 
when they when we needed them just to hold the ball and fend off a defender for maybe five seconds, they were unable to do that. And that just led to turnovers. And then Liverpool was able to relent on their attack against us. Yeah. Now, another aspect of of how Liverpool really sort of showed us up in this game was uh, using their speed, particularly on the wings. But with Mane and Salah really uh, giving Sergio Roberto and Longley as well as Semedo a lot of trouble with speed. Sure. I mean, that's the thing. They they scouted, they picked Sergio Roberto apart because, you know, Sergio Roberto brings other things than speed, right? I mean, we talked about how cerebral he is, how he can possess, pass. He can pick his moments to go in the middle. That's a really hard thing to do. But for what he lacks, you know, for that, he's good on other things. And Mane just tore him apart because Sergio Roberto always looked on ice skates. He didn't want to give him the touchline and Mane took it all the time. And every time he would go to the touchline, he would just bring it around and they would cross it around to, uh, to Salah's side and it would just have them where they had opportunities to score. Obviously, they were not as good as us on the conversion. Now, with the long lay thing, it's because Alba was bombing up the side. We would lose the ball. Alba had to run back and long lay had to cover. And so Salah was one-on-one with him. When Semedo came into the match, you know, the Semedo-Mane thing was a little bit, you know. A little more even. With, a little bit more even. So that helped us solidify that defense. And also Alba wasn't bombing up as much. So all of a sudden they didn't have as much possession and attacking opportunities after the, you know, after we went up to nothing, especially. Yeah. Now for the next game, I know that you think that Semedo should start and I agree with you. And uh, I know that you also think that Artur should probably start in the midfield. And of course, as I often do, I'm just going to mm-hmm. raise the Sergio Roberto question. Yes. <laughs> so what about a midfield for the next match of Busquets, Rakitic, and or see that's the thing you 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 kind of have to play Rakitic because he's so he's so good. Yep. But but what would you think about Busquets, Artur, Sergio Roberto? I I will I will change one up on you. I like I told you you know I would love to see Semedo play because I think he solidifies the defense. And we know I, I'm pretty sure that Vidal is going to start, right? Mm-hmm. So why don't you put Sergio Roberto instead of Coutinho, but put him on the right wing? Ooh, yeah, because he's 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 the the Spanish army knife. You could put him anywhere. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need a spoon. He's there. Yeah, <laughs> you need a toothpick. <laughs> Sergio Roberto there. is your man. Yeah, <laughs> spork. He's got it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I would. So I would, be down I would for because. That. Again, I don't want to come down on Coutinho as I have all season, but again, in this big match, he came up invisible. We needed him to shine, to do something, and he was unable to do that. Now, I think that Sergio Roberto on the right side as a, you know, as an attacker, I think would link up better with Messi, and I also think he's going he's good enough to link the you know, the tiki-taka passing and also he's good in the attack. So why not just put him there? Uh, you know, especially with the injuries that Liverpool have I think we definitely have an advantage we're rested we're healthy now that we've seen the press up close and personal we can make those adjustments you know it's one thing you see it on film and then when you see it in person and it's much faster than what you saw on film they played the match we had a good result so now we can make those adjustments so I'm feeling pretty confident I just want to see Semedo start and then whatever Valverde does with the rest of the team I'm okay with because I know he's not going to listen to me, so. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, I just want Semedo to start. That's my biggest contention. Yeah, and I think he would benefit. I think everyone would benefit from that because, like we said, the the, the speed that, that Liverpool are going to be bringing, uh, Sergio Roberto as the right back just can't handle it. Yeah. While it, while, whereas Semedo can. So 
it just makes sense to to put him in. Plus, uh, Samedo has he's well rested at this point, so sure. you know he's he's got the energy in him, so he would be the obvious pick. Um, was there anything else that we wanted to say about the defense? Yeah, I mean the, our defense, you know. F- you know, even though we were put on a lot of pressure, we held up, you know, obviously Ter Stegen making those key three saves. Um, you know, again, he's come up clutch all the time. You know, he doesn't, he's not going to be under fire of so many shots, but when he's asked to make those key saves, you know, especially the past 10 games, how many cl- uh, clean sheets has he had? You know, he's been stellar for us. And again, even though he lacked in the passing accuracy in the beginning of the match, he came up with it with the key saves. So I can live with that always again. We did really well in the aerials, the tackles, but again, it was too many for my liking. Sure. <laughs> because, you know, that means obviously that they have more possession and we're just defending. So, you know, when we were asked to defend, we were we were fine, you know. And this is one of the things, Brian, like everyone outside of Spain, especially, they always say that Barca's defense is weak or Barca's defense is the weak point of the team where you can get at them. And I don't believe it. I just think that it has this stigma from maybe – four years ago, maybe where we were maybe a little bit weaker on defense and people still are kind of lazy and just haven't seen many Barca matches as we have. But I think, you know, especially in this match, you know, Liverpool had the possession, they had shots and they still couldn't break us down. Yeah, no, I think our, our defense has been much stronger this year and, uh, you know, it mainly comes down to PK and Mm -hmm. earlier on it was Umtiti, but more lately it's been Longley who's again, just been like, the best bang for your buck signing we've had in in some time because Longley has slotted into that role almost seamlessly. He's been doing such a great job. So I think it's mostly the two of them. And of course there's always uh, Alba because he is, he is the squirrel man. If, if there's a, if there's a tense moment, he will, he will scurry back and he will dispossess you of the ball. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's so quick and also just, the ability that they're able to pass out of trouble for most of the time, you know, again, I, I still think the defense is a strong suit. Just like you said, that's a really good point because, you know, as we highlighted PK's performance, I mean, for me, he's been the best defender in La Liga this year. And, you know, since he's not having Spanish duties, national team duties, he's definitely looked more fresh. And when he's fresh, then everyone else just looks much stronger. And especially the battery pairing of Busquets, and Ter Stegen, you know, we've been really solid. So, you know, I'm really, you know, unfortunately with these injuries of Firmino and Salah, I'm feeling very confident going forward into this leg that we are one step closer to Madrid. Yeah, and I'm I'm very much excited, very pumped for that second leg. And I, I think that in the second leg, we can make just a couple of adjustments, get through this tie and make it to the Madrid for the final. So looking forward to what happens on Tuesday. And we will, of course, talk about it next week. Thanks to Michelle Taylor this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing by Brian Henderson, music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Support the show through Patreon, the Amazon Marketplace, and the Barca Talk merchandise store, all at barsatalk.net. Until next time, Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.